We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Andy Lister and Don Fox are here from IG Private Wealth Management. You can call now and leave a message. They'll return your call at 905-529-7165. And check out the website, andyanddon.com. That's andyanddon.com. You can listen to old shows there and ask a question via the listener inquiry button. All right, what to look for? Oh, good morning, Jeff. Good morning, When did you guys get here? <laughs> <laughs> you snuck up on me. Just yeah. thought we'd join in. Uh, what to look for? when coming up with a financial plan yeah, or planner. Well, yeah, how, what, how to choose a financial planner. Mm-hmm. You know, this is a great time to look at that because you're looking at your portfolio anyway. Mm-hmm. You're looking at, should I make an RSP contribution? Tax you, time. It's tax time coming up shortly. If you're not already started, you know, you might be ahead of the game there. So dealing with a financial planner, you, we do see some flux at this time where mm-hmm. people are, are literally looking. And I said, and, and, you know, first of all, you've got to look at the company as one thing. Okay, mm-hmm. so let's let's start at the bigger side and say, okay, what company would you deal with? Because you want a company that's reputable, um, large. You don't have to worry about whether they're going to be in business next week. Now, if you're dealing with mutual funds, then it really doesn't matter in terms of your own money. Mm-hmm. Because your, your mutual funds, you're investing in whatever that mutual fund's investing in. Right. Okay, so if you own ABC Mutual Fund, it didn't matter which broker, company. You know what you're getting. You know what you're getting. Right. So if that company goes bankrupt, you know that fund's still around. Mm -hmm. Okay. However, who wants that kind of stress? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Okay. And then it's when you're dealing with these companies, sometimes they have, you know, the mutual fund's fine, but they'll have some kind of sexy products on the side that lure higher net worth clients in, higher um, um, exchange type funds, foreign exchange funds. They'll have ETFs, which are fine, but again, they can get into riskier types of ETFs. Um, and they can get into hedge funds. And it's interesting. It makes it sound like you're well-diversified, but normally speaking, you're just adding more risk. Mm-hmm. And boy, when you go back, and you go back 10 years to that 08, 09, you know, when Warren Buffett says, um, you, you'll find the naked swimmers when the tide goes out, mm. okay? <laughs> this <laughs> is kind of the same thing. When, you, when the market goes down, you start to see just how risky your portfolio is. And we had a little bit of a you know downturn in, in December. Mm-hmm. It went down, say, you know, 8 or 9%. And for the full year, some people were down as, as much as 10%, call it. Mm-hmm. Well, then the riskier assets, some of those were down a lot more. Mm-hmm. So it's a great way to, as a litmus test, to see what you're really holding, okay? But as far as your own financial planner goes, look at the company first. Okay, investor group, large company, terrific. IG Wealth Management, I should call it now. I, I keep calling it the, mm-hmm. the old name. It's hard to change old habits. 30, yeah. 33 years of saying that, oh, you've right? You've been here too long. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then you say, okay, well, what about the planner? First of all, should you have one or two planners? Hmm. Well, I would suggest that one planner is better than two. Mm-hmm. Okay, because quite often it's difficult for that planner to make adjustments to their portfolio. So if you just look at the portfolio as an example, you want a tax-efficient portfolio. So how much did you have in TFSAs, RSPs, versus the non-registered? And your non-registered, you may want to have all the things earning capital gains and dividends there, where the TFSAs and RSPs, you may have the interest in those ones. And that's very tax-efficient. Well, if the right hand's not talking to the left hand, that's pretty, that's difficult when you're having multiple planners. Mm -hmm. So quite often we'll see that. Um, Normally we try to walk away. We, we try to consolidate efforts. Mm-hmm. No, we will create a, an overall mix for certain clients. And it, it is a, you know, it's just an extra layer. Okay. Mm-hmm. But it is important to get that proper 
tax efficiency, and on top of that, proper allocation. Mm -hmm. Because when you're dealing with one planner, you are dealing with all their assets and how much is in Canada, how much is in US, how much is in fixed income, real estate, et cetera. Mm -hmm. So you have this proper allocation so you know, understand the risk that you're under. Also, when you have your assets with one planner, you also have, generally speaking, lower costs mm -hmm. because you're consolidating all your assets under one roof and most institutions will reduce your fees, okay? So th those are the advantages. Now, then you say, okay, well, if I'm gonna get a planner, then what should I get? Should I just get a, an advisor, a financial advisor, which is really just investment advisor? Mm -hmm. Or should I look at a real financial planner? And this is where I don't quite understand why anybody wouldn't want a real financial planner. For me, I'd want somebody that's looking at the tax planning. Looking at everything. Looking at everything. Yeah, yeah. Looking at the retirement planning, estate planning. And how it all fits together. Exactly. It's yeah. one big puzzle. Mm -hmm. And this is where I find most of the people that I, they even talk about them in commercials, Okay, we're going to look at your financial plan. Here, here's your investment allocation. Mm -hmm. Well, that's not a financial plan. Yeah. That's an investment plan. And that's great. Mm -hmm. No no question. That's part of it. But that's really only one-sixth. So the tax planning, perfect example right now. Um, last week, I recommended a, uh, a lady that's on maternity leave pull money out of her RSPs because mm -hmm. she's going to have a lower income this year. And she's going to put it into her spousal RSP so that her husband can get the tax deduction. Mm. Mm -hmm. So they don't have any extra money per se because, you know, she's got time off. She's only getting a sure. lesser income right now. Mm -hmm. But this was a way to, for him to get a tax deduction. Actually, they're going to end up with an extra couple thousand dollars added as a tax refund yeah. at a time they could actually use that. Yeah. Um, so that's, that's a, a real an example of a, of a quick tax plan. Now, retirement planning. You look at that, it says, should I, when should I take out my Canada pension plan? Okay, or should I delay it? Mm -hmm. If I do delay it, how long should I delay it for? Um, Canada pension plan, if I, if I wait till 70, does that make sense? Or 65 or 60? Now, anywhere in between also. Uh, just an interesting sidebar there. Last week, I was uh, just going through. I do this about once every couple of weeks. Just check out, and it seems to be consistent. So I'm getting a, a bit of a pattern here. Um, usually there's one or two people in the, in our spectator that have died before 60 mm -hmm. and therefore they would never have collected their Canada pension plan. Mm. So those are kind of raw. So you're reading the obituaries is what you're telling it's, us. It's a quick little test to see how long people are living. What is it about people getting older that always read the obituaries? <laughs> you know, I'm getting old now. I just had my 56th birthday. So yes. Um, but I was really doing it more as a, a as an example, getting data for Canada pension plan. And it's interesting out of the 32, 32 people that passed away that day, two didn't count, five should have taken their Canada pension plan at age, at age 60, 60. Mm -hmm. two should have taken at 65, everybody else should have taken at 70, mm. everyone, they would have been better off financially. Mm. Um, in, in fact, if you were one of those lucky ones, and there was one that did make it to 100, some lady on that particular day, and... She would have been, you know, we're not talking a chump change. It'd be one hundred and fifty to two hundred thousand dollars more, right. taking it at seventy versus at sixty-five, yeah. because of the longevity. Sure. And so, you know, these are the discussions you should have with your financial planner. If your financial planner is not talking about this, then he's an investment or she's an investment planner. Mm -hmm. Usually, that's what I'm getting at. Now, estate planning, same idea. Mm -hmm. You know, your estate planning, uh, same discussion. With a client last week, is getting the wills done. Mm -hmm. And this particular person had a business. So having two wills, one for the business and one for himself personally, mm -hmm. themselves personally. And 
because that, the business, which holds most of the assets, will not go through probate if there's a secondary will. Mm-hmm. Well, you talk about a million dollar business as an example, probate's 1.5%. Yeah. There's $15,000 yeah. on one little minor issue. Yeah. You know, we're, everybody's, it's kind of interesting. A lot of people are becoming very fee sensitive, mm-hmm. but they should also look at the bigger picture. A lot of D- DIYers, a lot of people doing yeah. it themselves. Yeah. yeah. And I don't know about you, Andy, I find this a lot when the market's been rising for a while. Well, you know, I think just coming back to your comment about wills and um, how important it is to know that you're, I guess if you're a DIY, you may not, you you have to know what questions to ask. But, you know, so in this situation, a 72-year-old client who called me um, with some bad news that he had been diagnosed with ALS. Mm -hmm. And so in the process, uh, I said, you know, um, we'll call him... (laughs) Scott, yeah. <laughs> you have, to, yeah. Sorry, you have Scott. to get your you have to get your financial affairs in order, obviously, and yeah. so that involved a corporation that he had, uh, RIFs, uh, TFSAs, investments, and in real estate. Mm-hmm. So uh, we pulled together, and this is a recent client, but uh, I've been in contact with their accountant to get copies of corporate tax return, personal tax returns, most recent ones again. Uh, I've been in touch with the lawyer to talk about getting, I got a copy of their will. And here's the most interesting or scary thing is that we discovered that back in 2013, when he did, when he and his wife did their wills, um, A, there was no corporate will, hmm. uh, but B, most importantly, there was no power of attorney done. So right now we're dealing, we've got an individual who's, uh, who's been diagnosed with ALS, uh, a life threatening illness, Mm -hmm. um, and you, your deterioration in terms of your capacity to act on your own behalf at some point. And now there's no power of attorney, not only for personal care or even for their property. Mm -hmm. So first thing on the agenda power of attorneys right away. Probably nothing to do, nothing to do with, you know, (laughs) investments or tax planning or anything else, but boy, you know, there's a sense of urgency to get this done. And again, nothing to do with, Mm, with money per se. Yeah. Yeah. There's the difference between a financial planner and and a DYI may not, you know, who knows if you get it done. Yeah. You know, we all have our biases and and one of them is, is even, you know, death planning, if you will, life insurance or, or so on, or estate planning. And it's denial. Some people just say, you know what, I don't worry about that because mm-hmm. I'm not going anywhere anytime soon. And it's a and, you know, perfect example there is, you know, a person doesn't have their power of attorney. Probably he's looking for a new lawyer, by the way. Mm. <laughs> okay. Because <laughs> they didn't get the power of attorney done at the same time. And if they own a corporation, having that secondary will, extremely mm-hmm. important. So estate planning, these are just some of the areas that, are, you know, a financial planner is going over. Um, cash flow management. You know, when you're younger, we look at, cash flow management as budgeting and how much you know are you spending and maybe you can cut back so you can save more later on we're trying to figure out okay how much how much can we take out and what kind of trips are you going to go on and yeah. let's have some fun with all this money you built up mm-hmm. and then perhaps even again going to the estate planning how much can we gift to the kids so that we're you know just we don't need it right now mm-hmm. and maybe we can help them out while we are at this stage in our life mm-hmm. um, risk planning you know, life insurance, disability insurance, long-term care, critical illness, those are all risks that people go through. And do you need any of that? It, there might be a, a position in certain cases where you need it for a while. Other cases, it might be a, a long-term asset like a cottage where life insurance would, might make sense or a corporation where there's really great tax advantages. And that's when you're mix, mixing risk planning with estate planning. 
Okay, because they go together. And of course, last and not least, there's a, there is investment and planning involved. And honestly, that's that's not the most difficult part of our job. It's trying to the hardest part in, in investment planning is making sure people stay stick to the plan. Yeah. And we just went through like a little mini crisis there in December, and all of a sudden people are a little antsy. Mm. Oh, negative returns. Worst year in the U.S. for 10 years since the big meltdown. Mm-hmm. And all the things in Trump and the media was jumping on that. That's just, that happens. Mm-hmm. Okay. And that's where you, you really need a financial planner to go through this and making sure you're on track. And don't, don't let all this noise get in, your, in, in the way of a perfectly good financial plan. And, and that's at the end of the day, what we try to do is we protect people from themselves and we make people think bigger and and look at the plan. And that's a nice thing. We can always go back and say, the plan says we're doing this and you're on track. Mm. We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Andy Lister and Don Fox are here from IG Private Wealth Management. You can call now and leave a message. They'll return your call. 905-529-7165. And check out the website at andyanddon.com. You can listen to old shows there and as well ask a question via the listener inquiry button. Going to take a quick break here. We're coming back. We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Andy Lister and Don Fox are here from IG Private Wealth Management. Check out the website, andyanddon.com. There you can listen to old shows or ask a question via the listener inquiry button. Or you can call now and leave a message at 905-529-7165. That's 905-529-7165. Leave a message. They'll return your call as soon as possible. Talking about RSP time. It's that time of the year. Taxes everything. Yes, we're getting busy. close to the deadline. We've got another week to go, and uh, it's it's never too late. Now, if you're so, if you're a procrastinator, and you still haven't decided on what you're going to be doing for your RRSP this year, we've got a couple of reasons why you want to pay attention and make sure you get it done. Mm-hmm. And I think last week we were talking about, or Don was talking about, um, how how in fact so many people uh, are actually taking money out of RSPs, mm-hmm. and it was literally. I think about a third of people, I think we did a, I talked about a Google search. The number one was what is an RSP? Number two was how do I get money out of my RSP? (laughs) And, um, and, uh, and to the point where people, once they retire, they get kind of upset because as the money starts coming out, they have to pay tax. And, you know, we all have great long-term memories. And so of course we remember all the tax that we saved (laughs) when we first put the money in. Those refund checks, all of the tax savings all the planning that you did. And now on the opposite end, when we start taking it out, of course, you have to pay tax. So don't think that it's a bad investment. And we talked a lot last time uh, about why it is a good investment. But just to revisit that and some of the key strategies around RSPs and why they matter. So there's really kind of the, the three main things, I think, that that people focus in when you talk about RRSPs is obviously immediate tax relief. Mm-hmm. So everybody's thinking, bang, got to get some money in there. I'm going to get a tax refund right mm-hmm. away. So you want to be able to reduce your tax so you're not paying as much, get a refund, or maybe you had to pay and you're going to pay a little bit less. That's number one. Number two, is there a long-term focus? Now, there are scenarios where it might be short-term, and Dom is talking about a maternity leave scenario where you might, in the short-term, put money in, take it out. But in general, um, the longer you're invested, the more you're going to benefit from an RRSP. And the third thing, which is compound growth, 
And that's really the magic, uh, the, the secret sauce. You can grow your wealth exponentially through tax deferred and compound growth. So really, what does that mean to you? You're going to pay less tax. You're going to save more for retirement and you're going to end up with more peace of mind with your RSP for sure. So don't ignore it. And, um, generally March 1st is the deadline, but, and, and it's basically 60 days mm -hmm. after the end of the year. And this year it is March 1st because it's on a Friday. Mm. Right. It, it falls on a Friday because right. if it does fall on a weekend, sometimes they'll put it off until the Monday. Right. So the deadline of uh, Friday, March 1st, so that's coming up, folks. <laughs> Make a decision quickly. And um, obviously the things you need to understand are, uh, number two would be the contrib your contribution limit, and the maximum this year would be 26500 Uh Number three is unused contribution room, mm -hmm. so uh, space that you haven't contributed from previous years, and your notice of assessment. Mm -hmm. Uh, and the notice of assessments, obviously, um, a sort of a go-to document to understand exactly how much you can put in, uh, for the 2018 tax year, generally 18% of your income. And I think when you think about, um, the unused contributions, uh, that can be powerful in terms of getting more money into your RSP and how do you get, how do you do that? Sometimes, uh, a strategy can be what we call a contribution in kind. And what that means is that you have money elsewhere in an investment and perhaps you don't want to get rid of that investment. And so you can simply take that investment and move it from where it is currently and right. put it inside your RRSP. It could mm -hmm. be a stock you own. It could be a mutual fund you own. It could be stock you own through um, your uh, the place you work might have a company share purchase plan or, or a, a share ownership plan where you're buying stock. That could be converted to an RRSP as well. Um, and then the compounding growth on the tax deferred basis, we're going to talk about that. But if you put in $10,000 in your RSP and you make around, if you're 95,000 or more, you're in a 45% marginal tax bracket mm -hmm. at 95 grand. And so that's going to save you $4,500 in tax, yeah. which is a great chunk. Um, and too many times people think about all the things they're going to buy with their refund, mm -hmm. right? So how to maximize that is layering on top the, the strategies you can do with your tax refund. But that unused contribution, you can use, uh, as I said, you can use a transfer in kind, but you could also do uh, a top-up loan, an RRSP loan. And um, in fact, I remember this just uh, a couple of weeks ago, meeting with a client and they're reviewing their notice of assessment assessment showed they had $167,000 of unused contribution. Uh, mm -hmm. So they had lots of room. Now, historically, you know, the, the, they've been raising a family, putting money into education savings plans, and there was never a lot extra to right. be able to sort of get caught up on that. And uh, so we took a look at the individual's income. They had a little more cash flow this year, and we worked out to the exact amount, how much would bring them down to that $95,000 threshold mm -hmm. so that they could save at that 45% level. And that worked out to about uh, 13500 but here's what we did. We said, you know what? Why don't we, instead of just doing the 13500 for last year, for 2018, why don't we do 13500 for this year as well? Because we know you're going to be making the same income in 2019 as you did last year. You've got all kinds of RSP unused rooms, so we're not going to be over-contributing or creating a penalty. So we can get that 13500 in now and you get a full, whole nother year of compound growth yeah. by getting that, making that contribution early. So that's number one, tip number one is maximizing your contribution. And 
you know, you think about the amount, uh, the amount that you can accumulate into an RRSP and we translate that into an income stream later on in life. Mm-hmm. And if you looked at how much could you take out every year, uh, for a 25 year retirement. So if you were 65, you retired and for 25 years, that takes you to age 90 and you'd basically have used up your RRSP or your RIF at that mm-hmm. point. So if you had 200 grand accumulated in your RRSP, by the time you're 65, you get about 13,500 a year with some indexing along the way. And this is before tax. If you've got 800 grand saved in your RRSP, that's about 54,000 a year for 25 years indexed to inflation. Mm -hmm. So you can tell, obviously, the more you can have in there, the more flexibility, the more opportunities you're going to have as you head into your retirement. So we talked about uh, tip number two, which is contributing early. And I was using that example of making next year's contribution right now. And, um, but you, you know, starting at age 20, let's just, I looked at some numbers from age 25, 26, 27 and 28. And if you, uh, if you just made $5,000 different contributions, so let's say if you started at age 25 and you were going to do that every year, uh, $5,000 annually till 65, you put in about 200 grand. Mm -hmm. If you wait one year, you've only put in 195 grand. If you waited another year till 27, you put in 190. And if you waited four years, you'd put in 185,000. The difference those four years make totals uh, $90,000 difference at the other end of the spectrum. Mm -hmm. So waiting one year, about 31 grand, waiting two years, 62,000, waiting three years, about uh, $90,000 difference. So every year Mm -hmm. really does make an incredible difference in terms of how much you can have at the end of the day. Tip number three is giving yourself a raise. If you get a large tax refund every year, you know, you're obviously, you're giving that, you're giving the government a free loan every year and you can file a T1213 form, which actually reduces your withholding tax at source so that you have more cash paycheck to paycheck and therefore less out of your pocket going towards your RSP. You're basically getting your tax refund on a every paycheck yeah, every month, yeah. instead of yeah. in every April month. when you file yeah. your tax return. Kind of like a, a group plan. So if you're working yep. for a company, they do the exact same thing. You don't have to file that form in that case. Because they know you're doing it. Exactly. They've locked you in. Yeah, the tweet, the T1213. So if you're doing your savings through uh, with us, through IG, not your employer, then um, we could confirm how much you're putting into your employer on a regular basis. And then they can use that as a basis to reduce your tax at source. Right. Okay. So then you want to be disciplined and that's where <laughs> maybe the difference between a DIY and, and working with us is that we're not going to let you just have that <laughs> carte blanche to yeah. now go and buy, you know, more takeout food. It's going to be, <laughs> it's going no more, no, no business lunches with this more money. More pizza. <laughs> we're going to, we're going to take that money from you and put it to good use. It's either going to be towards a TFSA and our, uh, RESP, et cetera. What um, an exponential way to increase your net worth. And this is again, some yeah. of the difference of, like you said, the do-it-yourselfer versus dealing with financial planner, mm. why there's such a difference in net worth at the end of the day. Mm. A small you know, difference such as that. Yeah. And yeah. start early. Oh, yeah. Makes a huge difference. Oh, yeah. Just as I say, that, that one year or two-year yeah. difference is Einstein is said, man's greatest invention is compound interest. Mm. <laughs> uh, tip four is spousal RRSPs. And, um, you, and this is 
particularly important if you're retiring before age 65. And because once you reach 65, you can convert your RSPs to a RIF and you can begin to split income, et cetera. Mm -hmm. But prior to 65, you cannot do that with your RSPs or RIFs. Um, So having that flexibility by continuing to use spousal RRSPs uh, gives you that window of opportunity to consider your retirement income splitting options between, you know, age 60 and 60. If you retire yeah. at 60, now I've got five years, I can work through some different strategies. And Don and I would help people understand how best to take advantage of that. Um, but, you know, and when I just crunched through some numbers, like it, it doesn't take much, you know, a spousal RSP, the purpose, the concept is, is that if you can take out income at a lower average tax rate, from your RSPs, then you're going to end up with more in your pocket, more money available for travel, more money available for um, golf, you know, whatever it's going to be. And uh, so the spousal RSP, don't ignore that, continue to do it so that you basically are building a similar pot of money at the end of the day. Um, Making number, tip number five is make tax efficient deduction decisions. And it's something that we harp on all the time, mm-hmm. which is understanding where you are in the tax brackets. And I was using that $95,000 figure, which means anything above that, you're paying 45%. So if you make uh, an extra thousand bucks, $450 is going back to the government mm-hmm. taxes. Below that, it drops to about 30, 33%. So there's a difference of 12%, wow. 120 bucks. Yeah. So if you've got 10 grand, you know, that you can contribute, uh, and and eight of that brings you down to ninety five thousand, but the other two only you know brings you below ninety five thousand. Mm-hmm. You're not saving as much tax as you could no. on that last two thousand. So it, it may be advantageous, and in a small amount, it might not make a big difference. But as you begin to look at larger contributions and higher tax brackets, then what we would end up advising is defer that deduction till the next tax year, right. so that you can keep advantage and keep saving tax at that forty five percent tax rate yeah. instead of dipping down into the 33% rate. Uh, So tax efficient deduction decisions, um, can't stress that enough in terms of future savings because the whole RSP game is about putting it in when you're in a high tax bracket and taking it out when you're in a low tax bracket. Mm -hmm. And if you don't orchestrate it that way, you're going to get nailed. You're going to be one of the the, the few that ends up paying more tax and you'll be the person complaining, why did I ever (laughs) pick an RRSP? That Mm -hmm. was the dumb decision. Um, Tip number six is go for growth. And a lot of times people think, you know, I I recently met with somebody who had their um, money at their pension plan, a defined contribution pension plan in a target date fund. And the target date fund basically took him to age 65. And as he got closer and closer, it gets more and more and more conservative. So he's only 60 now, but it's already at what I would consider a very moderate or conservative, sorry, conservative investment portfolio with 80% of the money, only 20% of the money in stocks, 80% in fixed income, which is very conservative. So the question is, you know, it's not like um, the risk of living a long life with inflation, with taxation, is that if you're that conservative, the money is going to run out faster. So being too conservative, inflation is the key sort of cancer of your portfolio. And that is going to trip you up if you don't, if you don't roll the dice a little bit and understand how to have a balanced portfolio. 
So inflation at at, uh, 2%, which is sort of where it's been hovering right now, if you think about the next 20 years, a thousand bucks today of purchasing power at 2% inflation in 20 years is worth $673. But if we had an inflationary period and suddenly inflation jumped up to 4%, it's only worth $456, less than half the purchasing power after 20 years. And for most people, you're still in your retirement phase at that point, but you would definitely notice a big change in terms of your uh, uh, purchasing power for sure. Tip number seven, uh, and we sort of chatted about this at the beginning, but resisting that temptation to dip into your RRSPs. They're taxed upon withdrawal. And the big difference between an RSP withdrawal versus, say, a tax-free savings account withdrawal is that your contribution room is lost. You cannot restore your RSP contribution room when you put money in and then take it out. Now you might say, oh, I have $167,000 of unused contribution room, so why would I care uh, if I lose some of that contribution room? Well, by the time you figure factor in how much do you actually need to save, and if you just maxed your RSP every single year of your life, you're likely going to have enough, be on track to have enough money to be able to retire in the lifestyle that you want. If you're missing, not making your, not maximizing your RRSP, then you're going to have to save it somewhere else. Mm-hmm. So with a TFSA, you take the money out, you don't lose the room. You can put money back right. in without any issues. It's not so with an RSP. You take it out, you lose that room. You can't just put it back in without creating new room based mm-hmm. on additional employment. Tip number eight is about uh, tax-efficient investing. And that is really, and we sort of chatted about this in the first section, but really focusing in on how to structure your investments so that your RSP is produces uh, investments that produce income because you won't pay tax on that income. Mm-hmm. It's, it's tax-sheltered inside the RSP. And any investments that produce um, capital gains or deferred growth should be outside your RSP. So that's a great way to balance your portfolio so that it's the most tax-efficient type of RRSP mm-hmm. as well. Don't, don't you find, Andy, that uh, a lot of the high net worth people we, we see have that backwards? Because yeah. they may have accumulated their first wealth in RSPs, but then all of a sudden there might have been a liquidity event like a sale of a house or a cottage or a business, and then they wanted to be safe with that, they and they've got it totally back. They yeah. got totally backwards. Yeah, they've got that sitting in a GIC exactly. or in a high interest savings account. So, um, and and that's and it's and some people say, well, I, I want to maximize the growth in my RRSP. Well, that's true, and we can continue <laughs> to do that. But let's not pay more to the government yeah. if we don't have to. And finally, tip number nine, uh, special RSP deductions are retiring allowances. Just had a farmer who sold his business and was allowed to do a retiring allowance. This is an extra RSP contribution over and above. And finally, I guess tip number 10, which is designating the right beneficiary. Really, it's about saving probate tax and making a tax-efficient estate plan as well. We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Andy Lister and Don Fox are here from IG Private Wealth Management. 905-529-7165. Call now. Leave a message. They'll return your call. And don't forget about the website at andyanddon.com. Taking a break. We're coming right back. We are planning our financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Andy Lister and Don Fox are here from IG Private Wealth Management. Take a peek at the website at andyanddon.com or call now, 905-529-7165. Leave a message. They'll return your call. Talking about RSP season and longevity risk. Yes, absolutely. It's interesting. You know, as I was mentioning earlier, just, uh, and again, going back to the obituary story, 
so many people are living a lot longer. Mm-hmm. So taking that CPP at 70 is starting to make a lot more sense. And in fact, by 2030, 11 in, in, in just 11 years from now, one quarter of the people out there will be retired. Yeah. One quarter it's of amazing. Canada. And boomers are, are hitting that right in their sweet yeah, spot. Right, yeah. They're, I think, 68 years old right now. So it's kind of funny. Um, you know, one of the sayings way back was Freedom 55, yeah. which is uh, was kind of a London Life saying way back about trying to save and, and retire 55. I don't think they expected people to live so long. Mm. So my, my assistant has jokingly said, Don, you got Freedom 85 going because, you know, she's basically yeah. saying, I want to keep working here. Sure. Okay. <laughs> and sure enough, that's what they... You know, they said, you know, Freedom 85 might be the new way to go because hmm. it's almost like career 2.0. Yeah. You got another career coming and a lot of people, they took a survey of people between 60 and 64 and they've left their long-term employment already and 43% were back employed. Yeah. Some of them because they had to, mm-hmm. but some because they just wanted to change. Mm-hmm. In fact, 39% of small business owners are having difficulty in finding people for the job hmm. and, a, and they said 33% would say, I'll, I'll hire seniors any day. Yeah. So yeah. there's definitely a demand for older workers now. And it's just about maybe not as much stress. It's not necessarily about the money. Mm-hmm. It's about like, like um, livelihood and, and enjoying life. So yes, there's right now, actually, another, one more stat. There's uh, more, than, more people over 65 than under 15 in Canada. Yeah, that's interesting. So, yeah, just these, uh, and one out of 26 boomers will live to 100. Hmm. So about 4%. Hmm. So they actually took a, a little test on, on centurions and centenarians rather. And they said, okay, how do you get there? It's the fastest growing segment of yeah. the population. Now yeah. that doesn't mean a lot. When you grow from 5,000 no. that made it to 8,500. Hmm. Yeah, that's a big um, percentage. Percentage wise, yeah. But it all came down to, they interviewed all these people of the ones that did make it to 100. And they had these common traits. Mm-hmm. One is they had a positive attitude. Mm-hmm. Uh, number two, they ate well. They had healthy food, mm-hmm. moderate exercise. You know, all the, these aren't, you know, <laughs> these are not new. Everybody kind of knows this, yeah. but it's kind of neat hearing it from a centurion. Um, a clean lifestyle. Don't smoke, drink excessively. Independent living. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, they're doing something mental. There's a mental activity in there. They have close family and friends, a lot of social. They may be uh, faith or there's um, spirituality involved. And they... At the end of the day, they also have good genes. Mm-hmm. Well, you usually yeah. had other people that lived a long time. So with that in mind, if you're going to live a long time, which if you retire at 65 and live to 100, that's 35 more years. Yeah, it's a long time. You better plan for it. So going back to Andy was saying about uh, getting the RSPs organized, if you're in your 20s, I call it the just do it stage. Yeah. Just do it. Mm-hmm. Doesn't matter. I don't care where you save it for that matter. Just start saving it might be better in a TFSA. It might be better in an RSP. Depends on your tax situation. But at the end of the day, it probably is just better just to start somewhere. Mm-hmm. Because as Andy mentioned, procrastination is extremely expensive. Wouldn't it be better in an RSP because it's sticky That's at that age? Because, oh, gee, I need a car. Yes. Oh, gee, first house. Right. You know, buy. There it goes. I deserve a trip. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and who doesn't? Maybe that should have been the first one. <laughs> But yeah, I mean, it's 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 easier to get at. You can justify it. And, this, and RSPs are sticky. So even though tax-wise it may not make the most sense, no. it really doesn't matter at the end of the day because you'll have money. Yeah, And you can always use that as a home buyer's uh, True program. enough. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. And so this is, this is where, you know, where do you go to get this if you're in your 20s? And possibly 
a financial planner might be overkill. Mm-hmm. Okay, we may go to a, a robo advisor such as Wealth Simple, or um, your parent may your parents may be dealing with an advisor. Maybe they have a young associate, mm-hmm. and that works out very well that they're in a similar age group and they can take you on and give you the proper service. Mm-hmm. It's not necessarily financial planning per se. It's just trying to accumulate. But really, at the end of the it's day, that habit. it's the habit. Yeah. And that habit lasts forever. Mm-hmm. So then in your 30s, here we got out of our 20s, we're now in our 30s. And I call that priority planning. And because all of a sudden, you might be married, mm-hmm. might have a kid, you have a mortgage, you have maybe other things, a car loan. Which order should I be doing things? Should I do an RSP? Should I pay off the mortgage? What about the car loan? Oh my gosh, it's overwhelming. And that's what happens in the 30s. Childcare expenses get in the way. Now, should you go your mortgage versus an RSP versus an RESP, an education savings plan? You're right. Yeah, I, you know, the answer is yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, mm-hmm. you should probably do them all. And it's how much do you put towards each one? I would not say just concentrate on the mortgage mm-hmm. because as Andy went through before with the procrastination, you could be leaving so many dollars on the table uh, and another example I was looking at, if you started with $400 a month at age 25 at 7%, you'd have a million dollars at 65. Mm-hmm. If you wait till 35, it's about 500,000. It's about half. And then at 45, it's down to 209,000. Mm-hmm. So that cost of waiting is, is, is so huge. Yeah. So like, as you said, Scott, uh, you know, RSPs are sticky. Mm-hmm. Maybe at least we'll start in the RSPs and then we'll go from there. But tax-free savings accounts, there's choice. But at the end of the day, which one won't you touch and you'll mm-hmm. keep for the long term? So, yes, yeah, so you look at the potential in terms of your RSP and in terms of what rate of return, that makes a difference too. And that's, again, where, where a financial planner would help. Um, but don't be too scared in your 30s and 20s because it doesn't matter about the ups and downs in the yeah, market. Yeah. In fact, it's just as it, long as you're in. It's your friend yeah. because the more it goes down, the more shares you're buying is yeah. cheaper. Yeah. And then when it does go up when you're 65 or down the road, you're actually making more money because of the volatility. Mm-hmm. So at the end of the day, don't worry about whatever the statement says quarterly. If you're going to live to 100, it doesn't matter. We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Andy Lister and Don Fox are here from IG Private Wealth Management. Call now. Leave a message at 905-529-7165. They'll return your call. Quick break. We're coming back. We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Andy Lister and Don Fox are here from IG Private Wealth Management. Check out the website, andyanddon.com. You can listen to old shows there as well. Ask a question via the listener inquiry button. And don't forget the phone number, 905-529-7165. You can call now, leave a message. They will return your call. Uh, talking about RSPs, tax time, all that fun stuff. Yeah, RSP through the ages. Well, we did the 20s and 30s. Now we're into our 40s. And it's, I call this the asset allocation stage. Okay, now you're starting to build up some real assets. Mm-hmm. And you really should look at what allocation should you have. And it's kind of funny. All of a sudden, it sneaks up on you. Next thing you know, you're 40 something. Mm, yeah. And you're 100% equities. Maybe you shouldn't be 100% equities anymore. You're no longer 20 and 30. Maybe you should have some fixed income to reduce the volatility. So, and also, just from a psychological standpoint, when you lose 10% of your portfolio because of a market decline, well, you, now you have, say, 250000 in your 40s. Well, that's down $25,000, a mm-hmm. 10% drop. Yeah. Well, in your 20s, you only had 25000 yeah. Oh, well, it's only 2500 yeah. So psychologically, 
the dollar amounts a lot is is a lot bigger, and that may cause you to do the wrong things. Yeah, more at stake. More at stake. So even though you still have twenty years to sixty five, it's still got. And, but after that, you have a lot of time in retirement. And as we're talking about longevity, that's where it keeps going. Above and beyond, you need a plan. If you haven't had a if you haven't had a financial plan, a true financial plan, by the time you're in your forties. It's time to act right now. I would suggest that's the time because you can actually figure out how much you should be doing. It's good to get on that treadmill of having a plan done every year Mm -hmm. to see if you're on track so that all of a sudden it doesn't blindside you. Oh, boy, I wasn't prepared. Wow, you mean I don't have enough? No, no, start the plan in your 40s. Um, 50s and 60s, this would be called the consolidation stage. This is where you, you try to say, okay, I've got a bit here and a bit there and a bit over my last employer and bring them all together. Bring them to one financial advisor and have one plan. It makes it a lot simpler. You'll get lesser fees, as I talked about before. Far easier to get the proper allocation. Far easier to get a real plan from a tax perspective. You know, why why spread it around four institutions if you're going to get the same return anyway? Yeah. So you actually will probably get a lower return because you don't have the right allocation if you've got it spread around. So this is actually a type of people Andy and I meet with all the time. They get to this 50s and 60s stage and we're consolidating all their assets so that we can create a, a proper allocation. And uh, so on that note, now we're into our 50s, 60s. What happens after that, Andy? Well, you've, we were talking about longevity and obviously the, the worry about longevity. And, uh, and again, we come back to this is a fascinating situation where and people are generally not spending enough. Mm. You know, so if you've, as we sort of observe, everybody reaches retirement and you're getting a Canada pension plan kicking in, you're getting old age security kicking in. And then on top of that, most of us are relying then on our personal savings Mm -hmm. to make up for our lifestyle. And the question is though, is how much of that personal spending should I, should I use? And, and, and so I think part of the panic around that and the stress around that is that we are living longer. Mm-hmm. So you suddenly think, well, geez, I can't spend enough because I'm going to need that later on with inflation, et cetera. And so actuaries love to crunch numbers and understand and put into numbers, I guess, what we what we see in reality. And uh, I know Morneau Chappelle does a lot of research on this, and, and it was their interesting observations that they've been looking at for retirees today. And really, the, he said the top lessons about retirement planning is understanding how much can you afford to spend after you retire. And and the most interesting fact about that was understanding the difference between what they describe as your regular life expectancy and your disability-free life expectancy. Mm-hmm. So let's say that again, your regular life expectancy and your disability-free life expectancy. So quality of life. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So if you can imagine, you know, if you, you might, uh, but they took an example of say of a woman age 60 uh, who's retiring and uh, she'll probably live till 90. Mm-hmm. So that's 30 years. So you suddenly start thinking about, well, spreading my money out over 30 years. And that longevity has increased over time. It was in the mid eighties years yeah. ago, right? Mm-hmm. Now it's in the nineties. So, um, but the but the reality of the research showed that the disability-free life expectancy hasn't changed for any of us. Mm. And in general, it's about 10 years. So from her 60s to her 70th birthday, she's going to be able to do high active 
retirement, travel, mm-hmm. high uh, physical activity, uh, um, hobbies, etc. But at 70, statistically, something's going to happen. Mm-hmm. And it may not be complete life-changing, but it might be enough of an issue. It could be um, a knee replacement, a hip replacement. It could be uh, um, uh, other arthritic issues or whatever that now prevents you you from doing that high active type of retirement lifestyle. And so there's a shift. Mm -hmm. And that shift generally means that we start to spend less money over time. And so that other factor to that became the inflation-adjusted income that you might need down the road. And everybody assumes we do this straight-line projection often when we see a plan, but it's 2% every year. Well, the truth is, is that the, the statistically it's saying that really your income could stay exactly the same for, say, every three years you might need a boost of income. So you might need to go up by two or 3%, but only every three years instead of every single year. And that obviously changes how much money you're going to need because our spending tends to decline over time. Mm. And so that need to keep an inflation adjusted income isn't there as much. So fascinating stuff. And I tell you that one of the greatest senses of loss of sleep at night is, is new retirees panicking about how much they're going to be spending or shouldn't spend to be able to enjoy their lifestyle to make sure it lasts their life. We have been planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Andy Lister and Don Fox have been here from IG Private Wealth Management. Check out the website at andyanddon.com. That's andyanddon, all one word, dot com. There you can listen to old shows or ask a question via the listener inquiry button. And as well, you can call now and leave a message at 905-529-7165. That's 905-529-7165. They will return your call. Thank you, gentlemen. Have a great week. Happy RRSP, everybody.